Our scripture reading this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So I invite you to follow along as I read. We'll continue where we left off last week. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say, peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Father, we come here this morning to hear from you, to hear from your word, to adore you through what we hear about you from your word. Father God, you are an amazing God. We ought not go through a day without being amazed at who you are and how awesome you are. And this morning, Father God, I pray that you would make much of yourself through the preaching of your word. pray that you would help me to communicate well your word. Help us to listen well to your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What makes people get to work and accomplish tasks are deadlines, right? If you have something you need to get accomplished, what makes you get it done is a deadline. We're all like that, some maybe more so than others. Some of you maybe are perpetual self-motivators and don't need a deadline, I am not one of those people, and I'm guessing most of us are not as well, the people who just are self-motivated in that way. I wish I was, but most of us are not. When we have a deadline or a project or homework or a job task or something else, when that is due, we will press hard to accomplish that task, correct? Yeah, we, we, we have a deadline. We know this has to get done. And whether it's for our job or for school, there's consequences should we not meet that deadline. And maybe uh, for us, sometimes a deadline is three to four months off. And three to four months is a long time, right? Three to four months is not tomorrow. And so because it's three to four months off, it's not really important to us. It's pretty low on our list of priorities, and there's nothing motivating us to accomplish it. Maybe you did this in school or in college. Early in the year you, or, or semester, you were given a syllabus, and it outlines what was needed to be accomplished by a certain date. 
Now, maybe for you, you were that kind of a person, a kind of a student who took that syllabus and got to work immediately on the day that you got that syllabus for that class. Like, you're, you're an amazing person if that's you. Because for me, when I got that syllabus, I was like, ah, three months down the road, I got time. I don't need to worry about that today. But the problem with me was it came to like the last few weeks and I've got to get stuff done then. Maybe you were that way as well. Although we had the information at the beginning of the class to get things done, we put it off. We didn't have the urgency to accomplish it that we ought to have had. We decided that the now was more important than the later, than the future. And we said, I will get it done tomorrow. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands who has ever said that about a task of, I will get it done tomorrow. But I'm guessing we all have been there at some point with a deadline, with a task. We're not living with any sense of urgency to get that accomplished. In our passage today, we find that Paul gives his friends at Thessalonica a deadline to get something accomplished. We find him encouraging them, or really it's a different kind of encouragement than the previous passage. In chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it was encouragement with the future hope that we have in Christ. Now, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, it's a different kind of encouragement, almost a warning encouragement to be prepared. God wants us Excuse me, God wants us to live with urgency. God wants us to live with urgency. As truly converted people, we ought to live with a sense of urgency because we know the future. How are we to live with urgency, though? If God wants you and I to live with urgency, how are we to do that? Well, first, we live with urgency as we grow in our awareness of our current situation. We grow in awareness, or we, we live with urgency as we grow in awareness of our current situation. Paul here in these verses speaks to his friends in the Thessalonian church by helping them to grow in their awareness of who they are. Helps them to grow in awareness of who they are not as well. Previously, as I said in chapter 4, verse 13 to 18, Paul had relieved the confusion and fears that many of them had about their fellow believers who had died before Jesus returned. He gave them hope in that passage. And in our passage today, he now turns to speak to what they do know. Look at verse 1 and 2. He says, about the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Paul says, I don't need to go into detail. You know this. You know that the day of the Lord is coming. They were confused previously in the previous passage about what happens to their dead uh, fellow believers, the loved ones who have died. But he assures them that whether dead or alive, when Jesus comes, they will be resurrected because Jesus was resurrected. Now, at some point, 
while Paul was with these Thessalonian believers, he communicated to them about the yet-to-come day of the Lord. While they knew what Paul meant when he, what he, when he says what he does in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we, on the other hand, do not have his specific communication about what he said to them about that. I believe that God doesn't necessarily want us to have that information. Because had he wanted us to have that, he would have given it to us in his word. But he does give us some information about the yet-to-come day of the Lord. Paul speaks in these verses to the desire of these believers to know specifics of what will happen when the day of the Lord comes. Sounds like people in today's world, right? We want to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and sometimes we're not satisfied until we get that information. But Paul doesn't give them that information. Rather, he, he gives them the information that they do need in these verses. This day of the Lord that Paul talks about in chapter 5, verses 1 through 13, is not the same as Jesus coming in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It is different. It's not the same. But rather, it is a time in chapter 5, the day of the Lord is a time when God will judge sin and sinners. When the day of the Lord comes, Paul says, it will not be something to look forward to with joy and excitement and anticipation. It's not going to be a fun time. It's not going to be an enjoyable time. But it will come. God judges sin because God is holy and righteous and just. God judges sin because he's holy and righteous and just. Mankind has chosen to sinfully rebel against their creator, God. And on the day of the Lord, God will pour out his wrath on sin and sinners, on those who have rejected God. He will pour out his wrath on them. God is holy, and he demands holiness and sinlessness of those who are his. And for God to be God, he must punish sin. If God does not punish sin, he is not God. So in these verses, Paul addresses the day of the Lord, but he doesn't give specific details, which my guess is, again, in my odd imaginations, you guys know I have an odd imagination, but in my odd imagination, I, I imagine this, this letter being read to the Thessalonian believers and them thinking, man, I was really hoping for more. I wanted more information. But Paul doesn't give them what they want. Rather, he gives them what they need in these verses. Paul addresses the day of the Lord in, in a way in which he speaks to how they should live because this day is coming. They should live with urgency because the day of the Lord is coming. It's not helpful to them or to us to, it's not helpful to our spiritual lives to focus on when and how the day of the Lord will come. It's not helpful. We need to trust the revelation we do have from God regarding this day and then live for the glory of God with urgency. The Thessalonian believers knew very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, as it says in verse 2. It says, For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. They knew that it, he was, the day of the Lord was going to come in this way. Now, 
a thief, they don't really come with a lot of pomp and circumstance, right? If you're going to be a thief, you're not going to be like, hey, I'm coming. You're not going to ring the doorbell and let the owners know you're coming in, right? Now, how many of you have seen the movie Home Alone? Okay. When I think of a thief, I think of Home Alone, okay? I think of those, the, the wet bandits, okay? They, and I know you probably all think I'm weird now because I think, think of that. But when I think of a thief, that's what I think of. These guys who they, they look for the house, the, the house that they're going to they're gonna go and they're going to steal from. They're going to rob. And they, they plan ahead of time. They know, okay, this family's going to be gone on vacation. This is the perfect house to break into and take what we want. Now, in that movie, they were foiled by a young boy, okay? But in this circumstance, this is a thief who's going to break into a house. They're not going to announce they're coming. They're going to go when the owners least expect it. They know this. The Thessalonians believers know that a thief will, will, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's unexpected. It's sudden. And it catches people off guard. They knew this. They knew this. And in the same way, as a thief enters a house without warning, this day of the Lord will surprise many. No one will expect it. No one will see it coming. There will be no warning of this day of the Lord coming. And when it comes, it will be very unpleasant for those who are there. From our text, we know some things about the yet-to-come day of the Lord. We know from verses 2 and 3 that it will be sudden, like a thief, without warning. Verse 3 says, when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. We know that the yet-to-come day of the Lord is for those who are not God's people. Look at verse 3. It says that when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. They, this is talking about a different group of people than the Thessalonian believers. We know it is for those who are not God's people. We also know from verse 9 that those who are God's are not appointed to wrath. Verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. We know these things about the yet-to-come day of the Lord. But going back to verse 3, Paul speaks to, as I said, another people. He speaks about another people that's different from the Thessalonian believers. As we read this whole passage, we understand that this group of people has been appointed to God's wrath. If you take verse 3 and connect it with verse 9... We, those who know the salvation of God, are appointed to salvation, not to wrath. But, on the other hand, there are those who are appointed to wrath. And that's difficult to comprehend. That's difficult for us as humans to process. But I believe it's absolutely true because Scripture says it is. When this group is in this state of seeming peace, in verse 3, where they say peace and security... When they're in this time where they're telling everybody, it's all good, nothing's going to happen, we're in peace, we have security. In that moment, the day of the Lord will come on them like a thief in the night, like labor pains on a pregnant woman. 
They will be led into this false sense of security, believing that all is well when all is absolutely not well. The sudden coming of the day of the Lord is illustrated in verse 3 as labor pains coming on a pregnant woman. There's quickness to this day of the Lord. There's quickness to the pain and destruction which will come to rebellious sinners. Paul goes even further to say that there's no escape for these people. When the day of the Lord comes, the escape that was available to them has gone, has left. There's no more opportunity to escape the day of the Lord once it is here. They cannot escape it. There's a certain inevitability to the destruction of that will come at the day of the Lord. And this day is to be feared by those who don't know God. By those who don't have a relationship with God, this ought to incite fearfulness. That the God who is all-powerful, who is the creator of all, will judge sin and sinners. But there's good news in these verses. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or, of the, or the darkness. There is hope that is given here to these believers. In the seriousness of the, er, the need to live for urgency, there is hope. We find this contrast between those who will face the day of the Lord and those who will not. Paul clearly states that the Thessalonian believers are not in the dark. They're not, the, 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 the day of the Lord has not been hidden from them. They're not at a loss for it. It's not going to surprise them when it comes. They're not in the dark because of their current situation. What is their current situation? Their current situation is that they're truly converted in Jesus. They are children of light and children of the day, Paul says. Light here is connected with God and holiness, while darkness is connected to sin. They are gods in Jesus. They are children of God, children of light, children of the day because of Jesus, not because of what they have done, but because, the, because of the one in whom they are trusting. All truly converted people have the same current situation of not being in the dark and not being of the night. We are not unaware that the day of the Lord is coming. Many of us have probably read this passage or studied this passage before. We know that it's coming. God gave us this in his words so that we would know. Instead, God has given us this information so that we will live with urgency. We know that we are gods, that we are in the day, that we're of the day and of the light. We're children of God. So the question is, are we growing in our awareness of our current situation, of who we are in Christ? Do we live with an urgency because we are gods and we know the coming destruction of the day of the Lord? That ought to motivate us to live with urgency. Paul says this ought to motivate them to live with urgency because they know who they are. Their current situation as in Christ. 
do we live with urgency because we know the coming destruction of the day of the Lord and because we are God's? We ought to also be led to worship. We ought to be led to worship as we read these verses. And we ought to love God because he has not left us in the dark. None of us likes to not know. And God hasn't left us so we don't know. He's given us exactly what we need to love him and to live for him. God has given us the information about the day of the Lord And we ought to rejoice in God. Give God the glory for what he has done. Glorify God because of his sovereign plan. That in his sovereign plan for all mankind, he said, I want my people to know this. That this is coming. But I also want them to know that they are mine. There is nothing, as Romans says, as Paul says in Romans, that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Second, we live with urgency as we pursue alertness and self-control. We live with urgency as we pursue alertness and self-control. Living with urgency involves more than simply growing in our awareness of our current situation. It's more than just knowing that we are gods. We must act on this awareness. This awareness, this understanding of who we are, cannot be the end It has to be the beginning. And in verse 6, with the words, so then, Paul begins to turn his address, turn his address to his friends on how they should live today. You know it's coming now. You know you're in in Jesus. How should you live? So then, he says in verse 6, let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. We'll just stop there for the moment. He says that we should not live as those who are asleep, like the rest. Now, in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, Paul uses the word asleep or sleep in a different way than he does here. In the previous section, he uses it as a way of picturing death, those who have died. But here, he uses it in a different way. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, asleep or sleep does not refer to those who are dead, but rather to those who are spiritually apathetic. It refers to those who don't really care about spiritual things. Those who are asleep are not living intentional spiritual lives. They're just going about their spiritual life haphazardly. Eh, If it happens, it happens. Great. If not, great. That's no big deal. There's no urgency in their lives. They may live similarly to the people around them, the unconverted world around them, caring about the things that the unbelievers around them care about, treasuring the things that the unbelievers around them treasure, but not what God cares about. They may be, as I think some in Thessalonica were, they may be those who are focused more on what will happen in the future than how God wants them to live today because the future is secure. For those who are truly converted, we are not to sleep like the rest. We are not to go about our spiritual lives haphazardly. The rest of mankind who does not know God does this. They don't know God. They don't really care about God. God's not really impacts their day-to-day thinking and their day-to-day decisions and moment-to-moment decisions. 
Instead, we as truly converted believers are to pursue alertness and self-control. Our lives ought to have a drastic difference from the world around us. We live, with, uh, we live alert and self-controlled lives by going after lives that reflect the character of the one who created us and saved us. We live to know and enjoy God by his word so to glorify him. This is how we are alert and are self-controlled. We live, to, we live alert and self-controlled lives for the glory of God. It's not about us. We don't live in this way so that others will look at us and say, wow, that's a good Christian. That's a good follower of Jesus. That's not at all why we do this. We do this for the glory of God. We live in this way because God deserves the glory. God is the one who saved us, and God is the one who is saving us as we go through our days. Why are we to live in this way? Because those who sleep, those who are spiritually apathetic, are still in the dark. They are in the dark about the coming day of the Lord. And I think potentially Paul points to the fact that they may not truly be converted at all. Spiritual apathy is not something to take lightly. But in contrast to those who have been truly converted... Those who've been truly converted are not in the dark. They're not of the night. Look at verse 7. He says in verse 7, For those who are asleep, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And then in verse 8, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of, sal- of the hope of salvation. In contrast, we see people described here who are getting drunk and sleeping. Okay? When do both of those things typically happen? At night. They typically happen at night. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why people might get drunk specifically at night. But I think simple enough to say it's because it's hidden. It's somewhat secret. But those who have been truly converted belong to the day. Now, now this is not saying, as I talked to Pastor Chad, and he jokingly said that we should never sleep. Okay, that's not what this is saying, not physical sleep, okay? Physical sleep is good and appropriate for people, okay? But this is, talk, again, I said it's talking about spiritual apathy, okay? We need to be alert. We need to be alert to what God says in his word and what he wants from his people. We belong to God. Because we belong to God, we should pursue By God's grace, alertness, and self-control. It's not about us doing the work. It's dependence upon God to work in us, to help us be alert. To help illustrate this idea of alertness and self-control, Paul speaks to the alertness and self-control we are to have, which is like what a soldier has. He points to a soldier. This isn't uncommon. Ephesians 6 He goes into great detail about the armor of a a spiritual soldier and how we are to put that on and what they are to accomplish in our life. And he does that here as well, but he doesn't go into the same detail. But like a soldier puts on armor, a soldier also prepares for the battle. 
No soldier just wakes up one day and decides they're going to go into battle. Nobody does. No soldier does that. There's preparation. There's training. There's maneuvers that they do to be prepared for that day. And in the same way, we ought to act like a spiritual soldier and be alert. Be self-controlled. Because we belong to God, we ought to pursue putting on the armor of a spiritual soldier. We do this by and through the word of God. The armor we are to put on is the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. He gives three things here. The armor of faith is faith in God. A spiritual soldier, one who is alert and self-controlled, is to continually develop a growing and deepening faith in God. How do we do that? If your answer is by coming to church on Sunday, that's not really an answer. That's not really a good answer. We ought to come to church on Sundays, absolutely. But we deepen our faith in God by daily intaking the word of God. The armor of faith is faith in God, and we need to have a growing and deepening faith. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by focusing on the details about knowing the day of the Lord and looking around us and seeing, oh, this happened, I bet Jesus is coming soon. That's not how our faith is deepened. We deepen our faith by daily taking, intaking God's word through Bible reading, Bible memorization, Bible meditation, and prayer that flows out of those. In this way, we will be ready for the day of the Lord. Not because we know the when or the how or the what, but because we know the who. And we have a relationship with the who. The armor of love speaks to our love for God and other people. When daily Bible intake is a habit of grace in our lives, we will grow in our love for God. We will continually be talking about how much we love God, how great he is, and we will grow in our love for others. Love for God and others will give us an urgency to speak the gospel to others, whether believers or unbelievers, as we know the day of the Lord is coming without warning. Do we love others well enough to speak the gospel to them? Does the word of God motivate us to love others? Who do you need to speak Jesus to today? Who in your life needs to hear about Jesus from you? The helmet of hope of salvation speaks to our future salvation from the day of the Lord. It includes also our moment of salvation when we repent of our sins and trust in Christ alone. Yes, but also here in this passage, it's looking to the day when we will be with God. We can find hope in knowing that the destruction coming in the day of the Lord is not for us. And we have this hope of salvation because, as verses 9 and 10 say, it says there in verse 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. 
God has not appointed us to wrath. If we have repented of our sins and turned in faith to Jesus, we have not been appointed to this wrath that is to come. This is a certainty. This is a promise that God's sovereign purpose is to save us from the wrath to come. God has chosen the truly converted believer to have salvation in Jesus. We're not appointed to wrath as those in verse 3 who are not going to escape. We do not know when this day of the Lord will come, when it will take place, but we don't need to worry. We don't need to worry that it's going to come and we'll still be around. We're not going to face the day of wrath. We're not going to face the day of the Lord because of Jesus. God is faithful to keep his promises. This promise that we were not appointed for wrath is an awesome promise. As you read through the scriptures and you read about what will happen when Jesus comes again and the day of the Lord begins, it is not going to be something that you want to be a part of. And the good news is, for those of us who responded with repentance and faith to God, we won't be. God is faithful to keep his promises, and we have a certain hope that we will be with him forever. And as we looked at last week, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 says, Whether we live or we die, whether we're asleep or awake, we will be with God forever. Our future is secured in Jesus. Are you convinced of that? Nobody responded in any way at that. Our future is secured in Jesus. That is good news. We can't sit here and, or read this and not be impacted by the reality of the fact that the day of the Lord is coming. But not for us if we're in Christ. That's good news. Our future is secured in Jesus. All of the that Paul has said in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, is meant for us, as verse 11 says, to encourage and build up one another, to live with urgency as we know the day of the Lord is coming. As we know the day of the Lord is near, is at hand, we ought to live with urgency. It's not a deadline in which we know, oh, Three months down the road, Jesus is going to come. We don't don't know that. It might be. It might be tomorrow. It might be before we leave. I don't know. I'm not pretending to know. But what I believe God wants us to know is we need to live with urgency. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing God we have. If you're here today and you're truly converted, God has chosen you. Why did he choose us? I have no idea because I know my own sinful heart. And you know yours as well. We don't deserve the choosing that God has given to us in Christ. But I thank God for it and I love him for it. Give glory to God today because he has chosen you and you are not appointed to wrath. Love God for his sovereign choosing of you to be his in Jesus. In these 11 verses, Paul has sought to motivate his friends to live with urgency. 
The truth is the day of the Lord is coming. But the truth and the promise is that God has saved some for his glory. We know the day of the Lord will be destructive and sudden on those who will be there for it. Since we know this information, since the Thessalonians believers knew this information, we must live with urgency. We cannot go about our lives not caring about God and the things that God cares about. The information we have in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, ought to motivate us, ought to drive us to live with urgency today because we know the future is secure. As we live with urgency, by growing in our awareness of our current situation, I have to ask, is the gospel a treasure to you? Is the good news of Jesus a treasure to you? Is it a joy? Is it your delight? Do you love God because he has chosen you to be his in Jesus? Do you love him for that? Or is is the gospel, is the good news of Jesus just for the moment that you trusted in Christ alone for salvation? We need to spend time thinking and meditating and rejoicing in the good news of God saving us from sin. But not only that, we need to let the gospel, the good news of Jesus, drive us to holiness. Because apart from the gospel, we cannot be holy as God is holy. We need it. Is it your treasure? Is the gospel your treasure today as you sit here? Also, we live with urgency by pursuing alertness and self-control. As you sit here today, are you apathetic about the things of God, about spiritual things? Pastor Chad and and I and and some others have been in a a little group for quite some time, and we've joked about the word intentional because we've used it a lot. But it is a good word when it comes to spiritual things. We ought to be intentional about our spiritual lives. It is no joke to be holy. We ought not to take light our pursuit of holiness. It's serious. The writer of Hebrews, as Pastor Chad preached through it not that long ago, said that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness comes from being intentionally dependent upon God and the Holy Spirit's work in us through the Word of God. Are we apathetic about the things of God, spiritual things? And are we daily intaking God's word through Bible reading, memorization, meditation, and prayer? I'm not asking you, are you perfect at those things? It's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, is there a desire? Is there a longing to read and know God in his word? Honestly, it saddens me to think how long I was unconcerned about Bible memorization. And I know I'm not that old, so... You might, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not that old. He can't have been without it for that long. But it saddens me to think of how long I went with being unconcerned about Bible memorization and meditation. It's an incredible, incredible gift that God has given us to have the Word of God that we can have with us pretty much everywhere if you have a smartphone. 
And even if you don't, you can take a Bible most places. It's incredible that we have it available to us in this way. And yet how many of us are memorizing the Word of God? We can't stay alert and be self-controlled if the Word of God isn't impacting our minds and our hearts. The value of intaking God's Word is incalculable. There is no value that you can set on internalizing the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses, verses 1 through 11 was written to a local church. It was written to a local body of believers. So we must ask ourselves as well, who in our church family are we encouraging and building up so that we and they live with urgency today? Who around you needs to be encouraged and built up to live with urgency today? I said it last week, I'll say it again, and it's worth saying every single sermon. It's not my job, it's not Pastor Chad's job, it's not any leader in the church's job alone to encourage and build each other up to live with urgency and to obey the Word of God. It's not. It's our job as a body of believers to do this together. Yes, absolutely. Pastor Chad and I ought to be doing this. 100% agree with that, but so should you. We are in a relationship as a body of believers. We need to build each other up. We cannot be apathetic or should not be apathetic about our brothers and sisters in Jesus. We should love them and be seeking to encourage them and build them up to live with urgency today because we know and they know that the future is secure. And it might be today. Our text was written to a church who has, who, who has and was to live with urgency together. Look at verse 11. Therefore encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. This is something they were doing. And I believe some in our congregation are as well. And I say, praise God, don't stop, keep doing it. But maybe there's some who need the encouragement to get to doing this. And that's what Paul gives here. It's an encouragement that we are to live with urgency. Are you living with urgency today? Or are you simply coasting, merely waiting for the end? God wants you to live with urgency. Father God, thank you for your word. Father, as I think about this in my own life, I'm incredibly convicted that far too often I I don't live with the urgency that I ought to. Father God, my own heart, even this week, has been revealed to me that I don't live with the urgency that I ought to. Father, I pray for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are here today that they would evaluate their hearts their lives and ask themselves, am I living with urgency or am I merely coasting? Father, let us not be people who coast, but let us be people who live with urgency. Father, I ask that you would help us to be Bible people, that the Bible would be what we consume our thoughts with and not the things of the world and not the future. Thank you for your word and the treasure that it truly is. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.